superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The volume. Throw down on big matchups with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just five bucks on the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Download DraftKings Sportsbook now with code John. New customers can bet five dollars on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. John, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and, and responsible gaming resources. What is up, everybody? Happy New Year. I guess we're going to say that for a couple more days. This is going to be a heavy, heavy mailbag show. So, at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram. Two Fs, fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Last week of the NFL season, a couple big games which we'll dive into as the week goes on. Some games that don't matter because seating's already set. Obviously, we've got a couple teams that have uh, are the number one seeds locked in, so that can't change. We know who's going to get the buys. We don't totally know the draft order. Uh, that's subject to change a little bit beside the Bears having the number one overall pick. So we'll dive into some of the bigger storylines. Clearly, Harbaugh is a big story, not just this week because he plays on Monday, but he's got Tom Brady's old agent, Jimmy Garoppolo's agent, Don Yee. Will he go to the NFL? Will he go, I think, to the Raiders? That, that, that would be my guess, though I, I would love to see him with the Chargers. A lot of people do believe he's going to go to the NFL. We'll talk about that all as the week kind of uh, takes shape here. Uh, but today, heavy mailbag, at John Middlecott, fire in those DMs. We've had podcasts out on Saturday night after the Cowboys game. And I think, really quick, I spoke about that incident directly after the game. There was a lot going on. I just want to make it very clear. The ref screwed up. The Lions tried to fool the Cowboys by sending all the offensive linemen to the referee. And I understand Dan Campbell had told the guy pregame what they were going to do. A lot transpired. These referees, you know, aren't exactly the most competent individuals. So clearly he screwed up, right? He called the wrong guy. But you can't just assume that they would have scored a touchdown when the Cowboys did not know 68 was eligible. So when he went out to run the pass, they hadn't called the guy eligible. 
on the referee, not on the Lions, right? Assuming all the Lions players are telling the truth. But to just assume that they're scoring a touchdown with that play is insane. So this notion that the Lions got screwed, well, yeah, they got screwed the moment the guy didn't call the right guy eligible, but then we don't know if the play would have worked or not. Cool play. Ben Johnson, impressive. Again, referees continually screw up. I've been saying this. I've been beating this drum for a decade. Like This is not going to change. Thinking that making these guys go full-time one day would change everything also, to me, is kind of laughable. Like I I don't think that is what would immediately fix anything. What are these guys going to do? Practice that scenario? You know, after three hours of being winded, you know, distracted, whatever, on a Wednesday at home? I I, I don't think that's going to change much. I know we got to go full-time. I I think it's a little different, right? (laughs) I I really do. I, I don't think the impact is that big. So I think I might have blamed the player. Obviously, if we assume the players are telling the truth, the referee screwed up. But the moment he screws up, like people are acting like the Cowboys didn't know what was going on. Of course they didn't. Why why would they cover 68? If if I'm playing the Niners and they say number 66 is eligible and then Trent Williams goes out for a pass and he catches the ball, like, why didn't you cover him? Well, fuck, I, I had no clue he was an option. So, and maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe they would have screwed it up. But the Lions tricked the ref, and then the ref blew it, which they do a lot. Middlecoff mailbag, let's dive in. Start with Tom's. Happy New Year. I've got a mailbag question for you. Who are you most personally rooting for to go into the playoffs this year? Players, coaches, organizations. It's all on the table. Also, what's the deal with Mason Rudolph? Pittsburgh could run the table this year and keep playing like they have since he took over. Really quick on the Steelers. I said it several weeks ago. Mr. Trubisky's contract is the worst in the NFL. He's a third-string quarterback getting $8 million. And he was an absolute disaster this season. If they would have played this version of Mason Rudolph in, instead of Trubisky, I mean, they're an 11-win team. They're in the playoffs easily. And more than likely, you know, obviously there are several scenarios. They're going to win this week because they're playing the Ravens with nothing to play for. They're not going to make the playoffs. And Tomlin's going to go 10-7, and 7, and maybe I thought he was going to get traded or fired. Maybe nothing happens. But the reason that they missed the playoffs, like they're 10-7, and 7, what does that even mean? Like they're a really good organization. They're never going to suck. They're never going to suck. They, they're, they're too good at drafting. They're too good at making trades. Like their team's always going to have talent. Tomlin's, Tomlin's good. But to go 10-7 and 7 and to miss the playoffs in a scenario where you started Trubisky a bunch of games who was pitiful, uh, where Mason Rudolph's clearly better. Like, Mike Tomlin's the coach. Ultimately, he signed off on Trubisky being the starter once Pickett got hurt and not going with Mason Rudolph, who's dramatically better. And I'm not acting like Mason Rudolph's Ben Roethlisberger here, but if you just watch the Steelers play, like, there's a Grand Canyon-wide gap between him and Trubisky. And clearly, he's, you know, invigorated the team. That version of the Pittsburgh Steelers against Seattle is like a real football team, but a little too little too late. Uh, I, I would say, listen, I'm rooting for the best games possible, and to me, that would be Ravens and the Niners. I want a, I want a rematch. I don't take the NFC that seriously at all. I mean, the Eagles are imploding. The Cowboys are clearly very flawed. Lions have been an incredible story. They're no lock to make it out of the first round if they play the Rams. Rams, and assuming the Packers beat the Bears, which is not going to be easy, have had you know very, very impressive seasons. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing chaos in the NFC. I don't see how anyone beats the 49ers. They're going to be, they've owned all these teams. And the AFC, I guess, could get a little weird, but it's hard to have faith in Kansas City, you know, making it past like the second round. Miami, to me, if they lose this weekend, they're doing nothing in the playoffs. I think a Flacco-Ravens game would be really fun. And I just think there's a lot of pressure on Lamar to play like he's played this season, which was awesome, carried into the postseason and take care of business, and, and Ravens 49ers, and let's get, you know, part two, and, you know, see what happens, because the Ravens obviously kicked their ass. That's the best possible matchup. Now, the, the curveball team, to me, would be the Bills. They haven't played that well since the Cowboy game, but assuming that they win this weekend, they're the two seed. You know, they're, they're a scary team, for sure, just because of their quarterback, despite their flaws, and they definitely have them. Hope you're doing well. For the next mailbag, what do you think happens to Mac Jones this offseason? Well, I think before you could ever get into what's going to happen to said player, you have to answer, well, who's making the decisions, right? For 
25 years, Bill Belichick's made every decision in that building. When it comes to players, the team, contracts, right? Is Bill Belichick back? And, and I think that's, the, you could argue, the biggest question in the league. I, I think if you wanted to say, like, what's the biggest coaching questions? Like, Arthur Smith, whether he gets fired or not, like, who cares? <laughs> you know, uh, Ron Rivera is going to get fired. We already know there are job openings. To me, it's because now it's, I, I, listen, I, I thought Tomlin, it has run its course. I still believe that, but he goes 10 and 7. Are the Steelers going to fire him or trade him? Probably highly unlikely based on the history of the organization. But what happens to Bill Belichick and where does Jim Harbaugh, if he comes, go to the, if he comes to the NFL? That, that, that's what interests me. Like I, Ben Johnson, where he go, like all that type moving, like whatever, who knows? This is a coin flip. Does Bill Belichick go? Is he coaching another team? Because I have a hard time. Well, just keep Bill Belichick and have him stop picking the players. How often does that work? 72-year-old who's made hundreds of millions of dollars, who has six Super Bowl rings, who's been to three others, who also won two coaching for one of the great coaches of all time as an assistant in Parcells. They're going to hire like some 42-year-old guy that's going to come in and tell Bill Belichick who to pick? Like, I, don't even think that's po- I don't even think that's a feasible solution. I don't even think it's possible. One, I don't even necessarily think Bill would totally listen, even if Kraft mandated it. And two, think about the position of that person. That there's, there's opportunities are not all the same. That is one of those opportunities like, is this a good opportunity? I got to go there. Now, maybe Kraft tells you, listen, try to work with Bill for a year. If that doesn't work, you'll get to bring in your own coach. Maybe that's worth it. But hey, Bill, uh, we're going to take this dude in the second round. Bill's like, fuck you are. I don't want that guy. What are you supposed to say? N- Bill, shut up. We're taking this guy anyway. That's pretty hard. I know some of this stuff's easy in theory and easy, like, that, that's what should happen. I, I don't think it's plausible. I don't think it's a reality. So to me, either Belichick stays as is, which you could argue probably shouldn't because he's been such a bad GM, even though as a coach, like, listen, there are two coaches right now who have legendary resumes. Greg Popovich has been mailing it in for five years. Gr- Greg Popovich is an embarrassment to the National Basketball Association as a coach. Like, he's terrible. I mean, awful. Bill Belichick, bad general manager, coaching his ass off, like actually trying. Google the Spurs record. I mean, they are. T- they just had the number one overall pick. It's basketball. You get one good player, you should at least win like 15 games throughout the season. This team might not even win 10 games this season. Bill Belichick could have, honestly, they're a decent quarterback away from winning eight, nine games because their defense is good. I mean, remember, they had lost three games this season where they, where they held the opponent to 10 points or under and they lost. Only time it's ever happened in NFL history. Maybe since like 1930 or something. Back when they didn't even have the forward pass. Everyone in Chicago is changing their tune about Fields and Eberflus. A month ago, the same people thought they both sucked. Is there any chance either Flus or Fields are on the team next fall? I would say definitely there's a chance. Anytime you have an organization that doesn't really know what they're doing, everything's always on the table. Right? Always on the table. So if you told me they run it back, Trade the number one pick down three or four spots, accumulate more picks, definitely plausible. I think that's pretty insane. Listen, I, I think Fields has a lot of respect for him. The season started, it couldn't have gone any worse. He looked horrendous early on. Then he gets injured, mentally tough, stays with it, came back, played way better, and just, and just kept battling. Like His mental toughness this year, complete check. His like, okay, I can go to war with a guy like this, went from like, ah, it doesn't really look like it, to, yeah, we, we could win games with this player. I think I said it yesterday on the college football podcast. Watch Jordan Love play quarterback. He throws the ball like everyone wants Fields to throw the ball. And I'm not talking velocity. I'm just talking the rhythm, the timing, and the offense. And everyone's like, well, Fields' offensive coordinator sucks. Is, is he that bad? Or, you know, that play call for Alabama. Well, yeah, you try calling plays to a guy that isn't very accurate. And I, listen, I, if I can get a two and a three for Fields, see ya, take Caleb Williams, use my other pick, replenish, restock, we move on. That's what I would do. The coach, he'd be gone. And it's not like he's a good defensive coach. He's a good defensive coordinator. He's done a really good job since they traded for Montez Sweat. But it can't be denied. Am I letting the biggest offseason, you could argue, or at least one of them, I, I don't pretend to be some bearish historian, in the history of the franchise, I'm letting Matt Eberflus be the coach of that? Think, say, say that out loud. One of the biggest off-seasons 
in the history of one of the oldest franchises in the sport of football. I'm going to let Matt Eberflus uh, play a big role in dictating our decisions. That seems crazy to me. That that, that really does. Like I, I I can't I can't get behind that. I, I I think that is not just reckless, but borderline. I mean, that's that's what bad organizations do, especially when there are options. Like, think about think about uh, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh played for the Bears, so he's a guy who has a history in your organization. He is now kind of established himself in the area in your organization, right? The Big Ten country. I, he's guaranteed for your team to win, and I it doesn't even feel like they're interested. Maybe hope I hope I'm wrong because I think that would be an awesome destination for Harbaugh, but feels very very unlikely. My father is a dairy farmer in Western New York, and he was quite perplexed when he woke up to see that you backed out of your bet on Washington to win. He wanted me to thank you for the winning tip. When I say I backed out, I had eight thousand dollars that I took into the casino. I was going to put seven on it on that game. And I was going to put $1,000 on it, and I did, on the Washington Huskies to win the national championship. So if the Washington Huskies win the national championship, I'll win $8,000. That's still riding. The $7,000 I was going to all put on Moneyline, right? At, like, at the time when I went in, it was like 1.42. So if I would have put seven, it would have paid like almost $10,000. Maybe a little more. So we would have paid a total of like $16,000. I got cold feet a little bit. Not going to lie. I wussed out. And I put half, put more than half. I put $4,000 on plus four. Because I thought to myself, listen. It, if you get the points. It's one thing like one point. If you're getting more than a field goal in an enormous game. You got to spread a little money on that. Just to be safe. And listen. I was glad I did at the end of the game. Because I thought Texas was going to score. And ultimately, if that would if they would have scored, I would only lost a couple hundred dollars out of my eight thousand dollars. So I, I don't necessarily regret it. Uh, I went and picked up about fifteen thousand dollars a day. So I, listen, I and we got eight k riding on the natty. So I, I, I'm glad I did it. Uh, I still got a backyard to do. I don't even have window coverings. I got to get shutters. I, I can't be totally reckless. I'm not Dave Portnoy here, where I can bet a million dollars. But if I want to do, I, I can play. I can play with the semi big boys. Uh, and every one of the DraftKings Sportsbooks said they were listening to Coward. They love the shout out. Know my guy Jacob and Brandon by first names. You know, shit, I might just be a regular there. But I, I had to be smart. You know, I, I couldn't. Do, do I regret it? Well, it's, it's easy to say hindsight. But I bet on Washington. I had $7,000 riding on, on two separate bets. So I listen, I put some of my nuts on the table. Did I plan on putting a little more? Yeah. Did I get a little cold feet? I did. I, I gamble, and my units have grown dramatically over the years in my life, but I'm not, I'm not just throwing around that much money consistently on, on sporting events, right? But I need, I've said this forever, and listen, this podcast and my career is going pretty well. I don't get highs from money. Now, obviously, you need it to pay the mortgage, to you know, eat, to just do things in life. But like making money to me in business, it just it kind of is hollow in the sense of it does nothing for me. I, it, I'm just indifferent. Sweating out five ten thousand dollars on a bet, it, it, I can't even. I, I don't get that feeling. Like I, I understand why Phil Mickelson was addicting to gambling, because beside playing golf and trying to like beat Tiger Woods, nothing else in life could give you the highs and lows of sitting there on a game. And having a team. I, I can't even describe it. Like, I'm not a drug guy. I, I do not do drugs. Don't condone it either. But I can imagine the highs and lows. I, I get it. Like, I mean, it's just something in your body. I don't get anywhere else. I, I, I really don't. Maybe like success of my close family or something. Get excited for them. But for the most part, like, you know, you get in the, the routine of life. You just, you kind of get numb as you get old. You get jaded to everything. Get unfazed. The gambling's one thing that still gets my juices flowing. Big fan of the pod. Not sure how true this is, but her reports that Caleb Williams wasn't liked by his teammates. What do you make of this as a former scout? Should it not be concerned for teams? Is this true? Uh, I haven't heard about that, but I'll be honest. I haven't done that much asking around about Caleb the guy, but I, 
usually you just hear about negative things. I haven't really heard negative things, but I'd be lying if I said I've done that much research. I've heard more of just like concerned with his play. Now, he's going to be the number one overall pick. He is an excellent prospect. You know, knowing people at Oklahoma, I know one question, his dad plays a pretty big role, but that's happened with a lot of guys. Like, once you get to the NFL, the general manager and the head coach doesn't give a shit about, like, your dad's concerns. Like, this is, uh, you know, it's one thing, like, your dad, you know, is like, what's your GPA? Then you go work for, like, Google. You think, like, call, call, tell the manager your dad has issue with where they put your desk, right? So, it, I, I haven't heard anything too bad. Listen, he wrote some stuff on his fingernails a couple years ago. Like, he's got some question marks. Not like bad question marks, but so did Trevor Lawrence. When you're an elite prospect, people nitpick you, right? Zion was the number one overall pick. There were a lot of question marks on him. His weight turned out to be true. His love of basketball, just his body composition. Like, it's okay to nitpick something that you're going to give 30 plus million dollars to. This is not peewee football. This is pro football. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And there are going to be conversations that come out over the next three months that 90% of the media is going to freak out about. Let's rinse, wash, repeat, same shit every year. Can't be a group of more naive people going in life. It's like, how do you cover a sport and not know the realities of the way the sport goes? Like, why are you asking these questions? Why do you want everyone to have no balance? Because I like people, the best players in the history of the sport have had no balance. They've been all in. Like Tom Brady had no life. Peyton Manning, zero. Ray Lewis dedicated himself to football. I'm sorry, the best players usually are like all in on football. So having questions of like, yeah, I don't really like to have outside interests. I'm not paying you, you know, $125,000 here to sell some insurance. I'm paying you millions of dollars to make plays on the field. And with that, you know, there comes great responsibility and a lot of jobs are on the line in the organization, right? And a fan base in a city, you know, leans on your every move. So yeah, we're going to ask some uncomfortable questions. This is the big leagues. So yeah, I mean, these questions, I don't, honest to God, I, I don't have that much information on Caleb off the field just because I haven't really inquired yet about it, partly because he's such a lock number one overall pick. I, I, I was, I wanted to like Drake May, and then I watched him. I'm like, I don't totally see it. Jaden Daniels, definitely an intriguing prospect. He's flown up boards. Obviously, Penix is a baller. I, whenever I watch J.J. McCarthy, maybe I'm just not watching the right games or something. I don't totally see it, but I, there definitely people like him. Uh, who else am I missing? Bo Nix, an interesting prospect. These college quarterbacks, things change so fast. Like, you think you love the guy, and then they start getting nitpicked. and You know, it, get, it gets weird quick when, when it comes to the draft. You were right about Washington, but holy shit, that was stressful. <laughs> You're telling me. I, I got a lot of people in my DMs about Washington. Feel pretty good. Not going to lie. I needed that. I needed that. How are you acting so nonchalant about the two-point conversion in the debacle in Dallas? All you said is, the Lions should have never been in that spot. Dallas should have ran out the clock. But the Lions were in that spot and designed a perfect play with the description, and the refs fucking blew it. Probably the worst call I've ever seen. Probably it helped determine the game and lowered Detroit's chances at the number two seat. It wasn't a blown call or a picked-up flag. It was a blatant fuck-up. Like I said at the beginning, I agree. The ref ruined it. You want to fire him on the spot? Like, what can be done? But to act like the play would have worked when Dallas did not know the guy was eligible is fucking insane to me. It might have worked, but it might not have. We don't know. We're playing the results game. Like, the result, they would have got the two-pointer. They would have won the game. Maybe, maybe not. They had absolutely no clue. So yeah, I I agree. The ref completely blew it. That also assumes everyone's telling the truth. I've worked in the NFL. I've been alive now for 40 years. Fucking people lie all the time when a lot's on the line. I'm not acting like they're lying, but if we want to assume the referee is completely screwed up, I'm I'm cool with that. I agree. Let's let's say he, he lied because he claimed the opposite, right? 70 said he was eligible when 68 claimed he told him. Regardless, let's assume... What's his name? Brad Allen or Jeff Allen is lying. He knew what was wrong, was overwhelmed, said the wrong number. The moment he says the wrong number, Dallas doesn't pay attention to 68. So why is he wide open in the end zone, in the corner of the end zone? They don't know. So yeah, it's a debacle. What, what are you supposed to do? Replay the fucking game? Like, what are we supposed to do? 
be really mad. I've been really mad as a gambler for a long time at the referees. It doesn't, it's part of the deal. It sucks. It's like, yeah, you, you got screwed, right? It, I, I guess you got screwed in the sense that you didn't even have a chance to run the play. That is a fact. You got screwed that you didn't get a chance to run your real play. Two things. I, I'm no Bill Belichick here, rules expert. If they had reported him correctly, uh, people have said he's uncovered. Meaning you can't be the last guy in the line of scrimmage and be uncovered. So it would have been an illegal formation. Could be wrong there. Not a uh, formation expert. But if that's true, you ran a play that's not even legal. And like I said, let's assume the play is legal. If the Cowboys, you have to tell the other team, the guy who's actually, because when I say so-and-so is eligible, what's usually happening? That guy is going to potentially impact the passing game, right? Go out on a pass route. They didn't know. They didn't know. Not, not their fault, not necessarily your fault because he said it, but like, let's not act it's the play. That play worked and the referee just screwed you. Like, it worked because the Cowboys had no fucking clue. None. One of the better defenses in the league, no clue. None. So, so nonchalant, like, okay, I, you guys are all assuming, and, and listen, listen, I, I have a lot of respect for Dan Campbell. The organization is awful. One thing when you're used to sucking, and I hate to break it to you, yo, you're used to being really, really bad. And even you'd have to acknowledge that, assuming you're a Detroit fan. You, it's easy to get like, you're always getting screwed, guy. Like, we're always getting screwed. No, it's like, part of, some of this is on you. Because you, and listen, it's not like your fault that the ref can't handle it, but he couldn't handle it. When you deal with incompetence, you have to go out of your way. Telling some guy in pregame warm-ups, like, it's four hours later. Dan Campbell keeps saying that. Okay, great. He forgot. How often in any industry you go, well, I told the guy to do this. Well, yeah, he didn't. So we got a problem now. So you better make sure you send three guys over to him. These referees are morons and completely overwhelmed. Most of them probably shouldn't be in their job. But you did that on purpose to try to throw off Dallas. Why? Because when you tell them that Taylor Decker is eligible, what do you think they're going to do? Just let Taylor Decker walk to the corner of the end zone? Oh, Taylor, good luck. Hopefully they throw it to you. See if you can catch it. Or do you think one of the Dallas Cowboys would have gone with him? We're, we're not talking about the Carolina Panthers here. We're talking about a pretty good team. Pretty well coached. Dan Quinn, I, the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. I think it's fair to assume... At best, a 50-50 chance that play works. Is that fair to say? Like, is that fair? Because this notion that it's just 100% working is fucking laughable to me. It's just factually incorrect. That's not how it works. That play's hard to work. Did I say it a little nonchalantly? Yeah. Because when I go to react after immediately after a game, I don't watch three hours of the press conferences. I'm just reacting, watch it in real time. And as I've had time to like kind of let it marinate, did you get screwed by incompetence? In a sense, yes. Did you completely lose the game, though, in that situation? No. In what world, once that thing screws up, is he going for it from the seven-yard line? Explain that one to me. And I'm pro going for it. I'm with Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell's a good coach. I defended him when, when all these elitists in the media are calling him some meathead, you know, uh, dude who just chews on nails and, you know, slams the bench press. Like, I'm like, this guy's a pretty high-level dude. But to go for it from the seven-yard line is a Brandon Staley-level move. That's, that's a joke. Because it's like, okay, you totally got screwed. Welcome to life. But then that happens, and you find yourself, okay, kick a field goal, get into overtime, we're just as good as this team, why, why can't we win? This, is, this isn't the old overtime. Hell, we get the ball first, we score, game's over. We hold them a field goal, get the ball, score, we win. Like, it's not, you're not in some lock just to lose in overtime and to go for it from the seven-yard line, and then you get bailed out again. So I, I just, I, I'm just, I'm tired of this conversation because it always gets back to, well, the play worked. Well, kind of. I mean, the, the, the play worked. Because they didn't know the correct information. Okay, Triple OG listener. 
since before your Matt Nagy interview. Wow, it's a long time ago. You were talking recently about segment ideas. About in the middle, another idea might be to lean into your scouting player evaluations. Well, I think we'll get into that during the draft. Maybe struggling quarterback, a single game, player stretch, or time even, and give us mechanical or technical reasons. I think the problem with that is I've been in this game long enough, and this is why this podcast, I mean, I mean, we get into the details on individual games sometimes when we react, but like I've seen in the business X's and O's stuff, and one, that doesn't really excite me that much, and two, that fails. And luckily, like I like talking bigger picture coaches, players, you know, the main stories of the league, like that interests me. That, that, that type of stuff, I, I, just, I guess I simply just talk about what interests me, and sometimes getting too into the weeds is stuff that I wouldn't listen to. I try to talk about stuff that I'd want to listen to. So I, I think, you know, segment ideas, the middle, the herd hierarchy, I, I just, I, I haven't quite figured that one out. I, I don't want to just do the middle. Uh, ev- everyone does a top 10 ranking, like, who really cares? It's the same, it's like the Niners and the Ravens and then everybody else. Like, well, what else is to say, like? You know, I got, the, I got the Cowboys uh, slightly over the Lions. I got the Chiefs right behind them. It's like, what, what does any of this matter? Now, may, maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe it would work. Uh, m- maybe we sell it. I, I don't know. Uh, may, maybe I'm the idiot. But I, I think sometimes we're definitely going to figure some out in uh, this upcoming year. But we'll, we'll just let it happen organically. <laughs> At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash john. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All season tires, all weather tires, dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Vredestein tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Vredestein test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Let's bang out a couple more questions. My question is, with technology and AI becoming so advanced, could we see more automated refereeing in the National Football League? I think this debacle could have been avoided if Dan Campbell can enter 68 is eligible into an iPad. Sure, some calls are subjective like pass interference. We can't allow a simple thing like misunderstanding which player said something to a referee change the outcome of a massive game. Yeah, I don't don't think that's crazy. So you just enter in, in this play, on something specific like that, 68 is eligible. 
and then maybe the stadium announces 68 is eligible and all the coaches know, something like that, uh, meaning the other team. But the whole point of acknowledging who's eligible is so the defense knows. It's like, a, it's, it's like fairness. Right? It's why when a headset goes down, the, the other team has to take out their headset. <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys did not know. So yeah, the Lions are mad because they knew where to go, but the Cowboys didn't. So yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to that on a situation like that. Or maybe it automatically goes to... Because uh, you could argue it's a little bit archaic, the way that you have to go to the referee. No different than Tony looking down the sideline. Could there be some automation to it? Yeah, maybe we're headed there. Uh, listen, people are going to hate to hear this, but part of the reason the NFL's king is because there's a lot of drama. <laughs> and listen, I-, I understand if you're a Lions fan being pissed off, but it's actually kind of healthy for the league because it's like tangible stuff on the field, but legit off-the-field drama. I didn't have a dog in that in that race. Uh, so... People think I'm crazy, but I don't know. Everyone just keeps acting like the Cowboys were just going to lose. And maybe they would have, but maybe they wouldn't have. I don't think the NFL will want to make crazy change. So how about instead of opposing team getting the ball at the 20, they get it at the 5? I thought if I have, oh, changing the fumble of the end zone rule. If the defense actually recovers in the end zone, they get it at the 20. But if it goes out of bounds through the end zone, put it at the 5. You know, it, it doesn't totally bother me. Like, I, I'm cool with certain things being kind of uh, aggressively enforced. And that just seems like, listen, this is a risk-reward play. You want to reach the ball over the corner of the end zone, that's all on you. You get a touchdown. You, get a t- you score points. But if that ball starts coming out of your hands before you reach that pylon in the corner, you're screwing your team really bad. Like, that's kind of the way life works, right? You can take a lot of risks. Listen, bet a lot of money on Washington. What if they lose? You're screwed, right? It's, it's, there has to be something that comes with that. I have no problem with it going to the 20-yard line. It's one of those rules that just doesn't bother me. Seriously doesn't. Uh, I, I get much more bothered by the pass interference rule that if you commit pass interference, you you know, 50 yards down the field and no one ever was going to catch the ball that you get a 50-yard play. Like that, That's so stupid to me. The, the, the reaching the ball over the end zone or a fumble right before, I, I kind of like it. it. It adds an element of the game that it, it's just a massive, massive swing play because it's a big play if it, if it converts, right? If you score a touchdown, like that's just touchdown in a game is a massive moment. That mo- most NFL games are a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. So I... It, it really doesn't bother me at, at all. Your thoughts on the fact that the league has turned into a quarterback league, even though there, there have been some teams who will win with just competent quarterbacking. Are we giving those guys too much credit? Hasn't always kind of been a quarterback league. I mean, seriously, most, even the great teams, even before I was alive, had pretty good quarterbacks, right? Like, who are the teams, the best teams in the 70s? Raiders, Kenny Stabler. He's in the Hall of Fame. Honestly, it took him too long to get in. The Steelers won a bunch of Super Bowls. Terry Bradshaw is a pretty good player. Cowboys, Roger Stallback, not bad. <laughs> Think about the 80s, right? Elway, Marino, Montana, even on the lesser version, like Phil Simms, who was probably closer to like a game manager, but like then definitely as I kind of came into my own as a sports fan. All the best teams had the best quarterbacks. Brett Favre, Troy Aikman, Steve Young. Even like the year Drew Bledsoe when the Patriots made it with, with Bill Parcells to obviously this generation. It, it's always been a very, very impart, important part of the sport. If you don't have a really good quarterback, like there have been some NBA teams that have won it without Steph Curry or LeBron James. Your team better be pretty stacked. Now, most of the time, you have to have an all-time great player. But every once in a while, you just get a team that a bunch of good players and they come together perfectly and it just works, right? It happens sometimes in football. For the most part, though, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, you know, even this year, like Lamar Jackson, 
Brock Purdy would be an example of, now, his career, he's only in his second year. We'll see how it plays out. He might be an example of, oh, it's kind of a one-hit wonder, or he'll go on to be, become a really good NFL quarterback for years. You've mentioned in the past that you listen to a few entrepreneur finance podcasts. Any recommendations? People always ask me this. Uh, I think I've said it a million times. I, I will comment to him individually, but I, I would say Josh Brown's Compound and Friends is one of my go-tos. They, they do something on Tuesday and Friday. Uh, th- that's a really good one. And Animal Spirits, which is under their umbrella too, is, is good. Haven't missed an episode in four or five years. God, this guy's a loyal guy. As a scout, was there a particular position you were assigned to scout? What did you look for at that position? What positions do you feel are the easiest or the hardest to scout? When you like do an area, like if you have the West Coast, you just do all the players. So you do every position. Right, so if I have you know California, Oregon, Washington, Utah, for example, so you basically have the Pac-12 and the Mountain West conferences, New Mexico, Arizona. You, if I go into USC, I, I do everyone from Caleb Williams to their offensive line to their defensive line to you. You do every position. Obviously, quarterback is a difficult position to to you know to evaluate. Uh, I, I'd say the easiest positions, in my opinion, were defensive linemen. Uh, and wide receivers, I would say the difficult positions were corner and safety. It's just a very nuanced position in terms of coverages, what they're asked to do. You know, specific skill sets work for certain defenses and don't work for other defenses. But I, I think the line of scrimmage, when you know what type of offense or defense your defense, you know, or lines, line coaches want, it's pretty easy. Relative. I mean, then th- there's a huge factor in like, does the skill set translate? And then you also got to factor in the person, how hard he works, how much he likes football, how much he cares about football, how much he wants to do this, uh, how hard he can get coached, how willing he is to improve. Like all the intangible stuff is always difficult because you're dealing with human beings. And the reason you have so many draft, you know, where the guy does not become a good player is because you usually miss on the person as much as the player. I was actually texting with a, an assistant coach today. I'm like, and he's on one of the best teams in the league. I'm like, how important is wiring? You know, for you know, coaching your guys, he's like, it's everything. Because obviously, you get the highest level. Like, a lot of guys are talented. Now, some guys are better than others, but he's like, the wiring is the difference in the big games, in the big moments. The guys that want it and the guys that don't. The guys who have prepared and the guys who have given everything to be ready for those moments, and the guys that have kind of skated by, and it, it typically shows. And I think it's why you know. A lot of the good teams stay good, and a lot of the average teams and below average teams suck because they don't know what they're looking for in players. Assuming we make it out of the NFC Championship, this is a Niner fan, who do you think would be the best matchup for the Niners in the Super Bowl? Obviously, Baltimore smoked us on Christmas, but I do believe we'd be better prepared and Kyle won't make the same mistake of not giving it to McCaffrey more. And I think the defense will film and in a game experience to help prepare for Lamar and their offense. So I would like our chances in a rematch. I think Buffalo would be kind of scary because of Allen and their defense. I don't think Kansas City is making it out of the second round. I low-key think Cleveland would give Baltimore its best fight in the playoffs and make it and could make it out of the AFC. Another team we lost to. Interested in your thoughts. Well, if Cleveland made it to the Super Bowl, obviously they'd be playing unreal. And they beat the Niners. They are. The Browns. And the, and the Ravens are two teams that can beat the Niners because they can match the physicality. And they've proven that this year. They can go toe-to-toe with the Niners. The Niners shove everyone around in the NFC. That's why they're going to be huge favorites in all these NFC games. But AFC North teams, those two teams specifically, and honestly the, the Bengals when they were healthier and Joe Burrow was playing, they beat the shit out of the Niners. So it's like you, you just have these physical teams who are mentally tough it's it's hard. Now, I, I think the Ravens game would look a lot different. I, I think that would be a hard game. I, I think I would like the Niners' chances against Flacco. But I, I would like to see the Ravens game. Simply because I, I think that's just the best. Like, big picture. You know, people often ask, are you a Niner fan? Like, I, Yeah, I mean, I root for them. Most people in my life are. But it's it's so different now. Like, if you told me that if something happened to them, but my podcast would have more success talking about someone else, I'd have no problem. Like, I'm kind of selfish that way, doing this. 
like the Niners, like it's easy for me to root for them and want them to do well and like talking about them because they're a big brand. People care. But I legitimately think easily they're the best team in the NFC. And I think it would be an unreal Super Bowl rematch of like a decade ago when Harbaugh faced his brother. But these are the two best teams. Now, you're right. I think the Bills, they're a team to keep an eye on. But what's weird about them is like, I didn't buy into them. And then you watch them play the Cowboys. You're like, God, if they play like that. And then in the last two weeks against the Chargers and the Patriots. So who are they? I mean, I, I'm really confident. I'm like, oh, they're going to beat the Dolphins. W- would I bet? Would I just bet on Washington to beat the Texas? To beat Texas? On the Bills to beat the Miami Dolphins? I wouldn't. Because they, they, they can be weird. And Josh can be weird. Like, Josh can, sometimes the stat line, you look, early on in that game against the Patriots the other day, I looked, he was like, I, I forget the exact numbers, but they were really bad. I'm like, what is going on? And then you watch them sometimes, you're like, is this guy the best player in the NFL? So the, the, they're a team that, it just depends what team you get. If they're off, Niners would beat the shit out of them. If they're on, fuck, they could beat anybody in the league. Mailbag ponderance. Are we sure Sean Payton was solely interested in the Chargers a year ago? There was a lot of talk with McVay going to Amazon. Sean McVay confirmed he will return in 24. Isn't it weird? This guy's 37 years old. He just made the playoffs, and he's going to get asked like every year, like, Sean, are you coming back? Sean, are you just going to go chill with your wife and your kids somewhere? It's like, bro, what else are you going to do? Why wouldn't you coach? You're a good coach. Sean, stay in the NFL. Now, I get it. I've done different professions. Maybe he's just bored. Maybe he wants a new challenge. Bored would be the wrong way to put it. Maybe he's just, you know, kind of uh, strung out. He's on fumes in the NFL, but I'm glad he's coming back. So he could have tried to get that job. He would have had more opposition with Les Snead having a ring, and the team needed more of a rebuild, but Kroenke and Snead are always playing to win. He wouldn't have had personnel control. Additionally, would he have tolerated the Spanos family being cheap? Peyton looking for a better ownership group? Potentially. Sorry, I'm long-winded. You know, I I think where the Spanos is really screwed up is he was living in L.A. They blew that game to the Jags last year. They had a, what, 27-7 lead at halftime? Was it 27 to nothing? Under no circumstances can you lose. And then you lose. And we all know Brand Staley's not. Like, everyone knows. It's not one of those things that like, oh, there's a couple podcasters think he sucks. No, it was like, pretty clear. Fans, teams around the league, they're like, what's this guy's deal? And they rolled it back. That, that, and you had Sean Payton right there give him $90 million. He has this Bronco team currently at 8-8. Eight and eight. I understand they had a million injuries. You're telling me the Chargers wouldn't have been... <laughs> I, that's an excuse. It, it really is. And then to let him go to a team in your own division? That's scary for the Chargers. I'm not confident they're going to get Harbaugh. I, I'm really not. So I would he have gone to the Rams... I definitely could see that. I mean, he I'm sure he likes Matt Stafford. Cronky pays. Could have stayed in L.A. I, I, I think it's all going to work out for him in Denver in a weird way. They might take a little bit of step back next year as they reset, but I, I think he went in there knowing, like, I, I want to get real Russell Wilson. And that's inevitably what he did. Big fan of the pod. Born and raised in Modesto, California, right down the road from where I grew up. Just wanted to know if you could give any advice on getting a job in sports, whether it's anything for a particular sports team or anything in media. I just feel like that is an industry that you're either in it or you're not. You know, I've had young people that follow me, you know, like college kids ask me this advice over the years. And one thing crystallized when I was talking to someone the other day, the key is if you want to go in, you can't have any other options. Because the moment you go work in another industry, like when I first got at Fresno State and then even with Philly, my first year with the, Phil- with the Eagles, I made like $25,000. I had multiple degrees. I had friends working in Silicon Valley making hundreds of thousands of dollars, buying homes. I, I mean, I- if it wasn't for Jeffrey Lurie not charging us Tupperware to take home, I-, I wouldn't have been able to eat. Because I worked for a team, I had a free gym and I could shower there. I, I had no money. I was make, I had so many friends, girls and girls, guys, crushing it in San Francisco. But I didn't care. Like I, I liked my job. I was it was incredible to be doing what I was doing. But I didn't have any other options. And whenever I talk to someone, like you know, I really want to do this, but it's not going that well. I think I'm going to take a job with Wells Fargo, or I'm going to take a job with this. 
it's easy to like you start doing that, they're going to pay a lot more early on. And it's going to be hard to ever pivot because the older you get, right, you get to 30, all of a sudden you got a fiance or you have a one-year-old. It's hard to ever do this job because early on it pays nothing. I don't care whether you're a coach. I don't care whether you're a production assistant at Fox. I don't care what you do. You don't make any money. Even at these other industries, when you start at the lower end of the totem pole, if you go work for Merrill Lynch or UBS or whatever your industry is, you're going to make substantially more, even if relative to the industry, it's low. So you just, you got to find a way in. And I would say I was just not going to be denied. I didn't know how I was going to do it. It's not like my dad was some NFL coach or, you know, my cousins ran a radio station. Like I didn't know anybody in any of these industries. I just, I just was nuts, found a way. Luckily, it all kind of worked out, but I, I didn't have any other options. Like I, Early on in college, I realized like, I don't want to do anything else. The crazy thing is, as I've gotten older, I've, I've gained more interests. Right? Like, I remember taking business classes in college, being kind of bored, like accounting classes, you know, econ classes that now would interest me much more. But part of it is like, I need to do it for myself. I need to be in the trenches. I need to experience it myself. Classroom was just not the way I learned. But I would say going to college enabled me to get my foot in the door. So I'm not a huge higher education guy, but it does open more doors in the sense of you want to work in sports. Like you go to college, you can work for the athletic department, which is what I did. Then I started working for the football program. And then that led me to Fresno State, a higher program working for the football team. So you just, you can't have other options. Because it's one of those kind of professions that'll weed you out fast. Because early on, no one makes anything. And the other thing is the hours and the days are kind of weird, right? It just, games are on nonstop. And so when you're working for a team, you're going to those games. So if you, like, if you, let's say you work in baseball, I mean, you're talking every day for six months, even in football, like, oh, Thanksgiving, you're not home with your family. Christmas, you might not be home with your family. Even if you're in the media, like you're, you're at the game covering it or helping out or doing something. So there, there's perks with every job. There are also things that aren't as great, right? Like I saw Albert Brewer tweeting, like, I, I hope the NFL is not on Christmas next year. Albert Brewer loves football, covers football. He's really good at it. And his point was like, I just want to spend Christmas with my family. And it's like, I like Albert, but it's like, well, so does Kyle Shanahan, right? So would uh, Sirianni. But it's like, this is kind of the business we chose. Like, it's kind of the deal, you know? You think Steph Curry wants to be playing hoops on Christmas? Rather be with his family. Kind of the deal. So, that, I mean, it's just, it's an industry that, one, you got to be willing to make a lot of sacrifices when you're young with no money. So realize that you got to pass up a lot of things that if you have a friend friend base that, Sometimes it's, it's easy in life to compare yourself to the people you know, making more money, having more success, you know, maybe doing things that you can't financially do, having free time that you don't. You're like, wait, they're paying you 100 grand. I'm making 35 grand. You get the weekends off. I'm grinding my ass on the weekends. I, I just, I kind of just blinders on, unfazed by that. It, it can break you. I'm not saying that there were times like, what am I doing? Now looking back, like I, I wouldn't be able to do that at 39 years old, but I was able to do that at 25 years. So another key to me is you got to be young when you start. Like it, it's hard. You're not going to break in at 36, right? It's hard to pivot. But if you can break in, you know, around the college age when you're just kind of young, dumb, and hungry, and you don't care, you're willing to do anything. You're like, ah, hey, shit, we're working tomorrow. Let's go. Like you just, you just want to be there. That's, to me, the key, right? And like I, like I said, I think college introduction, somehow, wherever you're going to college, is the easiest way. But that's just my experience. Maybe some people did it other ways. A lot of people sent me their, uh, their Washington bets. You guys are welcome. You guys are welcome. You know, I don't watch an unhealthy amount of football for four months on Saturdays for no reason. I, I, try, I try to pick up a thing or two. People often ask, like, how do you bet on golf? Well, I watch every tournament. You know, how did I bet on Washington? Well, I've watched a lot of their snaps over the last two years. Watched a lot of Texas too. Like, I, I watch a lot of football. You know, I got to put it to you somehow. Besides just talking about it, might as well gamble on it. Okay, last question. In an alternate universe or crazy trade before Brock gets the bag, he ends up on the Broncos with Sean Payton. 
Sean Payton with his second Drew Brees at the beginning of his career. This coming from a Niner fan, by the way. That would be mind-blowing. And here's the problem with that alternate universe. Why would Kyle get rid of Brock Purdy? That, that would be my thing. Now, things change in the NFL. You know, you have some moments. Like, you've seen it with the Eagles. Like, God, weird things are happening. So things can change in football when you start losing. But as long as you're winning, you usually just keep it rolling, right? And that's just, just the way it is. Even when things get weird, right? You're just like, you're just going to keep it rolling, keep it rolling, keep it rolling. It's why the conversation about Lamar Jackson makes me laugh when everyone's this offseason. is like, why did no one? You mean because they were going to get denied by the Ravens? Like, what were the Ravens going to do at quarterback? Contracts are contentious. We're talking a lot of money. We're not signing a three-year $100,000 deal here. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. No businesses just give that away. Not the way the world works. So yeah, it gets ugly. It gets emotional. We're dealing with human beings, right? But no team was going to trade for Lamar Jackson. They would have said, sorry, we're keeping him. We'll match the offer. That was always going to happen. Teams knew it. The media's like, I can't believe. What? They didn't make an offer to get denied? You think the Ravens, oh yeah, just give us your two first rounders, take Lamar Jackson, we'll just play with fucking Huntley and, and Middlecoff. We'll, we'll figure it out. What are we talking about? They were, yeah, they, they, they weren't comfortable paying him a lot of money. For a period of time in his career, I kind of agreed with him. Clearly now you're like, oh, it's a no-brainer. It's always easier to have hindsight. So I understood, so play hardball. <laughs> like why? We all do it in parts of our life. Why can't NFL teams do it? Not everyone's always getting screwed, you know? That, sometimes that's on, as my mother calls it, the X channel. Everyone always thinks everyone's getting screwed. Like, no, in, in the big leagues, we're talking, like, Russell Wilson didn't get screwed. He got $150 million to be average as the day is long. If anything, he fleeced the Broncos. So he, he did not get screwed. They simply ask him a business proposition, remove the injury guarantee, or we're benching you. And then they realized that they would get in trouble with the PA, so they played it out. They never liked him. Sean Payton didn't sign him to that contract. I've been in a situation twice, lost my job when new management comes in. Newsflash, new management comes in. You can get in trouble really quick in terms of your job status. Why? They like other people. Welcome to life. (laughs) Especially if you're not like some premium star in the organization. And Russell Wilson, and I was just at the time making in those buildings like, 60 grand and 100 grand. You start making 50 million and they go, wait, we're paying this guy 50 million and he's producing like he's worth 22 million? This doesn't add up. That's the business they're in to figure out like your production better be somewhere close to what I'm paying you. The moment it's under, we start questioning, do you stay on the team? The moment it's way under, we get rid of you. The way sports works, especially in the NFL. And Russell made out like a bandit. He got made a hundred plus million dollars there. It was awful. Awful would be strong. It was awful last year. It was serviceable this year. But serviceable, I mean, what did Russell Wilson, when you watched him play, not his stats, when you watched him play, what do he look like? $15 million quarterback? 15, I meant, not 50. 15. 18, maybe? Not what he was making. <laughs> you know, not what he was making. So we were hard on Dak. When he was making $40 million. And Dak's throwing, lead the league in touchdowns most years. You're like, is this guy good enough? And Russell's like dinking and dunk. He's making like $48 million. What a world. The volume. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.